what got birthed in my heart is the church is to be on the move. Yeah. It's to be out. And when you're out, that's where you encounter God in dramatic ways. Welcome to the One Cry Podcast, a nationwide call for spiritual awakening. The goal, accelerating the movement of God through sharing revival truth, stories, and reports. And now, your hosts, Bill Eliff and Kyle Reno. Well, welcome to the One Cry Podcast. We're so honored that you're here today and believe big for what we're going to hear. Now, most times, we'll take some moments and share revival truth and then capture a testimony of what God's doing in the nation right now. But today's special. Today, <laughs> you are fired up. So, Bill, why don't you introduce our guest today? Well, you turned in on the greatest day because <laughs> we, have, we have one of our dearest friends right. and... Uh, and a man that I admire really greatly, Robert Lewis. Uh, and Robert and I have pastored in Little Rock together, and now Kyle for, oh my goodness, 30 oh, years oh, plus. Oh, no, 40-something Yeah, 40. Years. No, it couldn't be that yeah, long. Yeah, because yeah. we did a 40th anniversary three years ago <laughs> at the church. Okay, so I know it's we're going to cut that out of the, <laughs> out of the deal. But no, we, we, uh, we just admire each other so much, and Robert... Uh, was one of the founding pastors of Fellowship Bible Church, a great, great church here in Little Rock, and really a movement of churches across the country. And and then also, many of you know him because he was the uh, the founder of Men's Fraternity, which came out of Fellowship, but it's literally around the world. And now, uh, we'll talk about this in the next podcast, but now a better man, which mm-hmm. is uh, so exciting what God is doing. But, but uh, Robert, welcome. Thank you. It's always good to be with a old brother that we've <laughs> worn life uh, together, yeah. and we've got experiences, and we can tell stories, but the good news is they're mostly faithful stories. Yeah, that's right, yeah. and we have scars, too. That's right. so. <laughs> and it's great to be with my brother Kyle over here. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've developed a really special, special relationship, and are enjoying doing ministry together right. even at this season yeah. of life That's for so, me. so awesome. Yeah. Well, on, on this podcast, uh, Robert, years ago when we were starting the One Cry ministry, we got 50 leaders in a room in Atlanta airport, and they were all recognizable guys you would know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we went around the circle and said, where did you get, uh, first began to get a taste for uh, a movement for awakening and revival nationwide. And about 80% of them said the Jesus movement. Yeah. They were all in the Jesus movement. Yeah. This extraordinary phenomena that happened uh, in 69, 70, 71, really just that whole little era right there. And you were a part of that. I was a part of that. Right. And uh, we, we just want to hear your stories. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, just tell us, yeah. tell us what your experience was, and then we want to talk about today a little bit okay so uh, kind of give us your your thumbnail of what happened in those days and right. just particular things that you you were part of well I do think the 60s and early 70s was a turning point in our country um, some to radical ideas some back to our founding ideals so it was a it was a real pivot point Mm-hmm. And I went to college to play college football at the University of Arkansas out of a non really nominally uh, oriented Christian home. My folks were on the rolls of a Methodist church. Mm-hmm. I 
could count on my hand the times we went. So uh, as far as understanding Christianity or the gospel, I knew really nothing. I was basically a blank slate. So my experience with the Jesus movement is, is from a personal experience. I went mm-hmm. to college uh, in, the, in the late 60s. Revolution was everywhere. Right. Uh, there were riots. The Vietnam War was going strong. And so being there in the midst of that cultural turmoil, mm-hmm. which is a lot like today in some ways, mm-hmm. uh, was, was kind of disorienting. And when you were a freshman in college with no faith and away from home for the first time, first time I'd ever been away from home. Wow. So I was there. I was, you know, I was basically on a life raft just drifting in this giant ocean of cultural <laughs> upheaval. <laughs> cultural, yeah, yeah. cultural upheaval. And, and that's when I was introduced to the Jesus movement because mm-hmm. there were a few staff members from Campus Crusade, barely two years into the faith themselves, that they had been trained with Campus Crusade to go on the University of Arkansas campus and mm-hmm. share the gospel, just share the gospel. Mm-hmm. So my experience with the Jesus movement was, was basically having these staffers come into the athletic dorm with a local church pastor and share the gospel. First time I ever heard any of that, but I was so lost and really desperate. I was mm-hmm. just desperate in spirit. I embraced yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And they had the training, the lay training, that if somebody embraced Jesus, the first thing you want to do is sit down with him, get to know him, and share the little bit you knew with him. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the genius of the Jesus movement was lay-driven training to share the gospel and just get close to people and stabilize them in their faith. Well, you know, Bill Bright, uh, all of us who lived in that <clears throat> era remember the Four Spiritual Laws track mm-hmm. and the bird book, a l- little right. blue, blue book that, that described how to walk by the Spirit. Right. And it was so simple, but you know, it is simple. And see, that's what we miss. Yeah. We miss lay people doing simple things but but being the ones who are the applicators in the culture. Yeah. And when that happens, I think revolutionary things happen. And in that day of the beginning of the Jesus movement, that was essential. Mm-hmm. That churches are singular, great teachers, and we had those preaching the gospel were not gonna reach a laity that was totally confused in this tumultuous cultural You change. know, I remember you probably went through it, but also Bill Bright developed what he called the, the uh, I think it was 12 transferable concepts. Right. So they were little booklets. Yeah. And it was just basically a discipleship tool right. on how to walk with Christ. But, that's right. But I love the word transferable. Right. You know, because that's his whole intent was to help a lay person give this to somebody else who'd give it to somebody else. Just that's discipleship. Right. My first Bible had the cover that said, Join the revolution, and and the whole the whole atmosphere of the '60s for a Christian was you were joining a revolution and you were going to be a soldier and you were going to take the hill. Yeah, and it was it was a idea that caused I think great cultural change mm-hmm. that we call the the Jesus movement. Right, I've said a lot lately, uh, Robert, that. The only other period in my life that feels like today was the 60s. Yeah. 
and it was almost an anarchy. It was, it was a, it really was of such a, it had some real bad results. Oh yeah. Uh, but in the, in the, in the ferment of that, uh, those of us that were caught up in that got, got that got turned right. for good. You know. Yeah. I mean, personal freedom became God. Yeah. And so we had the sexual revolution. We had the women's liberation movement. We had the drug culture, the free love society. All right. those things were breaking. And if you had grown up in traditional America, that was like a tidal wave going oh, yeah. over you. And so the fact that there was something in that that brought stability, and of course Jesus was the, 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 the center point of all that. Mm -hmm. You just wanted to know what he said. And even though I didn't have any church background, I knew enough of who Jesus was mm -hmm. that I felt like that's some place I can go and find stability in the midst of this turmoil. Mm -hmm. And of course, with, with the follow-up in the Bible and getting into the Bible, that was the rule book for life. That just became, I mean, I just remember being in the dorm and staying up sometimes all night with guys. Mm -hmm. And all we were talking about were these real simple truths that, Mm -hmm. that would give us stability in the midst of all that was going on. Because, I mean, I'd walk out on the campus. I remember standing next to Old Main and hearing some Black Panthers up on the steps yeah. saying, we're going to burn this place down. Mm -hmm. We're going to start all over. And you're sitting there going, whoa. <laughs> of course, people everywhere were going through all kinds of testing society. Yeah. But the things that then started happening out of that, mm -hmm. where you had, um, you know, guys saying, we need to rebuild the society in Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's what was the draw for me. And yeah. so we had our own culture within the culture mm -hmm. and we were building it out. And Tell us your experience then. Uh, I know you were part of a great church, UBC up there yeah. in Fayetteville, which was just popping during that day. Yeah. There are a lot of churches that the movement of God passed right by them. And then there's some that embraced it. What was your experience with the church and how the church adapted to these new wineskins? Or did they? Well, uh, most didn't. Yeah. I felt like that was also where the, what, the more mainline traditional mm -hmm. church, I think that's where there was pretty much um, a time where their influence stopped. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's sad, yeah. but a lot of them hit the wall right there. Mm -hmm. There were some churches <clears throat> that, for whatever reason, usually through leadership that figured out we're in an era of change, we need to change. Mm -hmm. And you got to know, I'm coming out of a really a basically non-church background, so I didn't know anything about church, but I knew mm -hmm. a lot of my friends who, who had, you know, low views of the church. But on our campus, there was a, a Southern Baptist church led by a young kind of radical at the yeah. time, H.D. McCarty. Right. And he did two things that most churches did not. Mm -hmm. He got out of his church and he personally went onto the campus, mm -hmm. into the dorms, teaching and preaching, and he um, adjusted his music to contemporary Christian music. He had yeah. this group called the New Creations. Yeah. And so my first experience of going, first experience of really going to church on campus, I remember standing in line 30 minutes before the service started to try to get a seat. Wow. 
Wow. And then I remember Don Wright, the music minister. <laughs> I mean, he had this, he had this afro. Yeah. And he stood up with these college students and they would sing music that I go, this is church. Yeah. It, it had drums. It was, it was, it it's was. The no, it's the music you were listening to anyway, it but was. it was about and Christ. It, it was, it wasn't over the edge, but it was, it was music that spoke to my generation. And then HD just had a, a way of connecting with college students. <clears throat> and I think a lot of it is because as a pastor, he wasn't institutional church. He was out in the community church. Yeah, yeah. And so he had illustrations. I mean, he was chaplain of the Razorbacks. Yeah. You know, he led the FCA. He taught Bible studies. He would do campus life things on campus. And he would bring in speakers that would do the same yeah. thing. They would go on campus. So yeah. my view of the church was not the church is a building you go to. My view of the church in the 60s was the church is an invading army that gets out yeah. into the community. So beautiful. And I know not too many years after that, God used you and Bill Wellens and some other men to start Fellowship uh, Bible Church here in Little Rock. Yeah. And and you you have become known for understanding how to build an externally focused church. Yeah. And not that which is the death of the church is the yeah. internal focus. Well, I, I gotta say, everything that still drives me today yeah. is because of what I just told you. Yeah. My what got birthed in my heart is the church is to be on the move. Yeah. It's to be out. And when you're out, that's where you encounter God in dramatic ways. Yeah, after I became a Christian and got this vision of, you know, the church or the Christian life is to be lived outwardly. I was telling Kyle right after that, uh, Crusade invited me, or the staffers of Crusade invited me out to California to go mm -hmm. through what they call the Institute of Biblical Studies, IBS. And of course, if, if you're a guy that's never been away from home very much, the idea of going to California, man, that was, yeah, cool. that was exciting. So yeah. uh, I and 40 other, I think it was about 40 other Razorback athletes, we all went out and spent half the summer in Arrowhead Springs, and the things that I experienced out there, because Crusade, you know, we would do studies of the Bible at night, mm -hmm. but during the day, we would go out and share our faith. and Go out on the beach, probably. Oh, man. Yeah. And I remember, I, I told Kyle, one of my greatest memories mm -hmm. of the Jesus Movement days, and this is right at the beginning, was we were told that we were gonna go to the beach, and, uh, at a certain period of time, we were to walk up and down the beach and tell people who were sunbathing and, you know, surfing and that kind of thing, hey, there's a concert at the Santa Monica Pier. Why don't you come? Hmm. It's going to be a great concert. I didn't know what the concert was going to be. I was just <laughs> following orders. So we went up and down the beach doing that. And so by 1 o'clock, there were like 10,000 people gathered around the Santa Monica Pier. And there was a group on the stage, on the pier, who had real long stringy hair, banjos and guitars and stuff like that. And I was going, man, this is going to be exciting. Mm -hmm. So I'm standing out in the crowd and they started singing. And I kid you not, it was like the Spirit of God came right out of heaven on top of these guys. Yeah. And they were one of the first contemporary music groups called Love Song. Yeah. Chuck Gerard yeah. was the lead singer. Their harmonies were just incredible. Mm -hmm. But they were saying, 
you know, they were singing about lending a hand to others to invite Jesus to come with them. Mm-hmm. And I'm part of this movement. I'm looking around and thousands of people are there and they're singing this stuff and it's just it's just heavenly harmonies. Mm-hmm. And they finish and this kind of semi-balding 40-year-old man stands up, <clears throat> opens the Bible and starts teaching. It's crystal clear. It's practical. Mm-hmm. It's centered on following Jesus. And at the end of that time, I'm sitting there like, this is incredible. He says, if you'd like to follow Jesus, it's right now. Mm-hmm. He said, come into the ocean and be baptized. <laughs> and in the next three hours, thousands of people were in the ocean. And Chuck was asking us to baptize them. <laughs> so we're out. I mean, there are people yeah. being baptized everywhere. And I was going, this now, this is the movement I want to join. Yeah. I mean, right. it was like, you know, you think back in Jesus' day when Jesus asked those early disciples to follow him, and the next thing they know, they're on a hillside with 15,000 people, yeah. and Jesus, t- I felt like I was there. Yeah. yeah. So, so that experience, and then the next week I went to the first Calvary Chapel nice and listened to Chuck, Chuck Smith, Smith preach, and, and, and all this was just brand new. And then I remember going to uh, back to the dorms at Arrowhead Springs and they said hey you need to come down with us there's a guy down at San Bernardino High School he's preaching in a park right outside San Bernardino High School and and I've heard he's great so yeah hey we had the day off so we went down there there were several hundred people down there and it was Hal Lindsey teaching (laughs) the late great Great planet planet earth Yeah, Christ is coming. I mean, I mean, yeah. and, and I was sitting there going, "Wow, this this is just this is great." So anyway, those early days, and all of us were wanting to learn the Bible. I, I met people from all over America. Like I said, there was like fifteen hundred kids from everywhere, from Yale to you know San Diego State to Kansas State, and we got to know each other. And everybody was wanting to follow Jesus, and but we were all in a, we were all babies. Yeah. But you know, babies together with those kind of experiences, it just births something in your spirit yeah. that this is what the kingdom is about. And and as you know, Bill, as I was, I was telling uh, Kyle here, that same spirit, even coming over here thinking we're going to talk some about that, still resonates in me oh, yeah, because true. I don't want to be sitting away, locked behind a church campus not impacting the community. Yeah. I want to be doing what we were doing even Tuesday where there's hundreds of guys in a room. Yeah. There are round tables, some of which, you know, have not really heard anything about the Bible or manhood and stuff, but they've got guys sitting around and they're talking about stuff that deals directly with where they're living. Yeah. Yeah. And and you just can feel the energy and I go, yeah. Yeah. This is where the kingdom lives. You know, the the, it's interesting the things you've mentioned here. The, the obviously the dynamic of those days, uh, the manifest presence of Christ was very almost atmospheric, hmm. and I was in so many environments just like that, that that it it was just electric. It was like nothing you'd ever been to before. Right. And right. you know we often talk about revival as the extraordinary movement of the Spirit of God that produces extraordinary results. Right. But then these components of simple training that equipped people to be a part of a multiplication process, That's right. 
of, of opening up the wineskins so that we're open to new music, new forms, and, and then taking it to the streets. Yeah. I mean, just taking it to the streets. And there was a good song there, Taking It to the Streets oh, yeah. in the yeah, 60s. Great. Yeah, <laughs> I had uh, Bell Bottoms. My favorite outfit was Bell Bottoms, blue suede shoes, and I had a big leather uh, you know, necklace, necklace with, with, a, a with, a, with a cross, wooden cross that I'd made, you yeah. know, that was oh, so yeah. ugly. Oh, yeah. And uh, But we were just going out everywhere we yeah. could to tell people about Jesus Christ. I and mean. that... And that's the the explosive power. You know, right. Jonathan Edwards says that in times of revival, the work of God is accelerated. Yeah. It's just like God puts the pedal to the metal yeah. and shows us this is what uh, the church should be and our job is. And w when you look at right now, maybe we can kind of close here, Robert. When you when you look at at right now, do you see any signs of this, or what do you what do you think people are longing for? Yeah, yeah. Well, I I, I think. Bill, you, you've studied prayer movements and stuff, so you see cycles in, in history. Yeah. And I do think you look in the Old Testament and you see cycles in Israel's history mm -hmm. of being, you know, um, great spiritual movement followed by maybe decades of decadence. Yeah. And I don't know, I just think that's the human race. Right. And so it, it comes and goes, and and God's the one that... that is really behind the redeeming part of mm -hmm. those movements. I feel like what we've lived through is we're seeing some of that um, change happen again, mm -hmm. where um, you're in a place where it's revolutionary. God took advantage of that revolutionary time where man was choosing freedom over responsibility, mm -hmm. decadence. They, I don't know if they thought it was decadence. They thought it was idealism mm -hmm. over kingdom submission. Yeah. And yet he started that movement, that Jesus movement, to help stabilize and redeem this, the wheels coming off. Wow. And then we went through a time where things seemed to stabilize. You had the birth out of the Jesus movement of what I call the church movement, the mega church movement, you know, because there weren't churches that were huge mm -hmm. in our day right. in the 60s and 70s. I think one of the largest churches in America in the 70s had 2,000 people. Right, right. And now those are being birthed almost every week. Yeah. But, but I think what we've witnessed is uh, the last 15, 20 years, the church slowing down more into a more church-centric, traditional movement these these churches that were just 20 years ago revolutionary Radical. are back kind of stuck and we realize people aren't sharing their faith i mean i talk to people all the time people aren't sharing their faith and i go yeah i remember when i first became a Christian, people weren't sharing their faith but then mm -hmm. all of a sudden they did so i feel like we're in another potential cycle of a second jesus movement in our day yeah and i think it's going to play out the same way. God is going to raise up revolutionary leaders. I think they'll be different than in our day mm -hmm. that'll spark guys. Right now, I think a lot of the church conferences, church programs, and I know the guys leading all the big ones, mm -hmm. but I feel like we're trying to use tactics yeah. to create the fire. Right, right. It never works. <laughs> and it doesn't it work. Never... I mean, it might make the church a little more efficient Slicker, and those yeah. kind of things. But I think 
we need to be begging God for the fact that people recover this ardent belief that Jesus is enough. Yeah. He's enough. Yeah. And, and then begin to be courageous in standing up for what the Bible says, even though the culture is going to look at it like, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. But we're really back to radical personal freedom and idealism versus biblical responsibility mm -hmm. to Jesus. Yeah. And and I go, let's let's create courageous men and women who believe that and create communities, however they look. And they're probably going to look different. Mm -hmm. They're probably not going to be mega churches, but they're going to mm -hmm. look different. But let's create radical communities of followers mm -hmm. and that will ignite another movement of God I think yeah. I mean and I say that with God's going to have to do it right. but yeah. I'm just saying from my viewpoint it was being radical you know I just want to say to this generation join the revolution That's right. amen <laughs> get on the bus yeah. get on the love bus Let's man. join the revolution yeah, I'm just know. watching I've told Bill this several times you know, mm -hmm. everybody that has spiritually impacted and influenced my life from the person preaching the gospel when I came to know Christ, the guy to disciple me, learning from you, patterns of prayer, passion for prayer, reaching generation of men, every one of, of you guys were shaped in the Jesus movement. And didn't even know it. Didn't even, you have lived for and led yeah. 40 plus years yeah. from what God did in that moment. And that, I've said this a bunch of times, my greatest fear is is for me included, is is the next generations of leaders that are going to lead the Christian faith that have never been in the fire, mm -hmm. that have never been in the presence of God. And I was blessed to be in a little R revival when yeah. I came to know Christ and have been close to men that have, almost like Joshua with Moses, mm -hmm. that, you know, I've been close enough to God's presence that yeah. it's helped shape and fashion me. And we, we desperately need men, men of God, specifically future pastors, to be shaped in God's presence and in a real move that's on the edge mm -hmm. to lead us into the future. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'd say this kind of as a final observation. Um, I think looking back at the 60s, uh, there was a cultural fire first that helped ignite a spiritual fire. Mm -hmm. I okay? agree with that. And yeah. I mean, because you wake up when one day you're not sure if we even believe in America. Uh, or you're going to survive. Or it's going to survive. Or yeah. what we're turning into is something that's going to be a monster from the original uh, city on the hill. Mm -hmm. And because I think of our founding fathers, they, they, they were thinking they were going to help. Um, I remember being up in Plymouth they were going to introduce the millennial kingdom. I mean, mm -hmm. they thought they were really going to change the world, mm -hmm. and 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 so and they came out of a a, a colonial fire in right. Britain. So I think the '60s created a fire that then ignited a spiritual fire. So I think today, where I have hope, because I know I know God's gonna He's gonna do something powerful, but I think we are moving into another cultural fire that might help ignite Amen. the kind of spiritual fire Amen. that we are hoping for. Well, that's, that's what we long for, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, it's happened every 30 to 60 years in American history. Yeah. We've had a nationwide movement. And the 1970s were 50 years ago. Yeah. So here we yeah. go. It's time. It's time. It's time. Yeah. It's time. Robert, uh, lead us in a word of prayer for okay. that, would you? All right. Well, thank you, guys.
Lord, uh, when we reminisce about what your uh, hand has done in capturing men and women back in the 60s and 70s that then led to really a renewal of the church and a revival in people's hearts and then a change of culture. Uh, you can tell just with listening to us talk, we long for that again. Mm -hmm, yeah. And I know these guys long for it. I long for it. We want your people to be salt and light in powerful ways. We want to see your kingdom move mm -hmm. in powerful ways. Right. And so, Lord, all we can do is appeal to you to bring your spirit Please. into our culture, bring your spirit mm -hmm. into people, raise up courageous, non-compromised leaders who will mm -hmm. not only stand in this day, but who will stand the test of time mm -hmm. so that years later, there are trophies of what it means to be a follower of Jesus mm -hmm. all the way to the end. Uh, I'm so grateful to be with Bill and to have traveled uh, years with him. I thank you that uh, we're finishing well. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I like, I love to be a part of a kingdom movement mm -hmm. that finishes well. So mm -hmm. would you raise up with young men like Kyle, That's right. men who will stand in this day and preach boldly mm -hmm. your word. And would you also give Kyle and others the grace to go through this day into the next day faithfully? Mm -hmm. right. So Lord, thank you for the time we've had just to reminisce on your glory. Mm -hmm. Your glory is where we want to be. Amen. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, Robert, I think you have literally prayed the rain in. <laughs> if you hear that noise, by the way, throughout this podcast, is it's been raining outside, but you know, honestly, that's what we're praying for. We're praying across our nation for the rain of God's presence in a powerful way. And so again, thank you. Thank you for joining us on this podcast, and we hope that you'll spend some time just contemplating these truths, looking back, but also building faith for the future, and then share it. Man, share this. This is this is too much good stuff, right. uh, honestly, to build our faith, to not share it with somebody else. And we look forward to catching up with you again next week. See you.